Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and right now I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the Gordon Brown and Gillian Duffy of the Terrace get together. That's right, you are going to be confronted with some uncomfortable questions about lower league Scottish football and then you're going to get insulted when another person thinks their microphone is switched off. Well, it's Gillian Duffy, that, that bigot. Bigoted old woman, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really funny see when the BBC went back and interviewed and said about you what Gordon Brown's just been saying about you the look in her face oh, a bunch you of ima- glasses and could you imagine going back to Gordon Brown you saying by the way Gillian Duffy's just heard what you've said about her and Gordon, I'm sure Gordon Brown's the face is just, oh no your, your, your soul must have sunk your soul must have sunk and then he had to go back and apologise to her profoundly in fairness, it feels like like every day something worse is said in politics, but nobody really minds. But certainly at that point, calling a bigot a bigot carried weight. I think, though, I, I mean, I'm saying that if I'm correct, I'm correct because I've I've gone back and read this. <laughs> I, I, I spent that's how that's how I spend my my time. Listen, I spend reading about um, like infamous people. <laughs> Gillian Duffy, unfortunately, has entered the realm of infamous people. I think she had confronted Gordon Brown in Rochdale in 2010. And I think that she had been a, like a, a lifelong Labour supporter, like proud socialist, believed in the NHS, etc. But she was uncomfortable with the levels of immigration in Rochdale and so posed him a particularly testing question. And uh, then, then obviously Brown said what he said. And I think that later on, Gillian Duffy, I might need to correct me if I'm wrong, Gillian Duffy, if you are listening, this is your right of reply, that she uh, pretty much pivoted uh, sort of further to the right 
after oh. after that. Yeah, sort of into beyond the Conservatives. Uh, that's how far right it is. Was it, was it Polish people that she seemed to have some kind of issue with at that, that moment in time? Could have been. It, it could have been. If you can't speak the kings or the queens at that period, then uh, she didn't want to know. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. So, Sean, who's Gordon Brown? Who's Gillian Duffy between us? We'll leave it for the listener to decide. <laughs> we'll leave it for the listener to decide. <laughs> Sean and I are going to be taking a patented three-game roundup of the weekend's action. We'll be looking at one game in the championship, another in League One, and a final fixture from League Two. And hopefully, we might be able to squeeze in one or two laughs along the way. One or literally one or two. Yes, I. Yes, it's either or. You might get one. You might get two. You ain't getting anything. There's definitely not going to be no laughs, but there isn't going to be more than two. That's the choice that you're going to get. I want to start with a disclaimer. This three-game podcast is patented. You must report it if you know anyone else using it. No one likes a grass. We all know that, but no one likes to also see their intellectual property being stolen. So, uh, On top of that, this podcast is also sponsored by Green King. If you head down to your local Green King, you'll find them in most places. If you see the code TERRACE15 when you place your order, you get 15% off your dinner. So big thanks to them for their continued support of the podcast. Have you, I mean, have you made that up or is that a true thing? Very much made that up. Very much made that up. <laughs> I thought I'd missed something in the group chat. Yeah, I was going to say. I was gonna, I was I'm sure just... they, they stopped sponsoring us ages ago yeah, because they... of uh, some kind of jingle. Because of you. I don't think it was because of me, but was, they, they, weren't, they weren't happy with a jingle in general. Yeah, so I'm trying to get them back on side by giving them free advertising. <laughs> so if you, I mean, I just hope that no one listens to this and goes uh, to the barman and says, uh, Terrace 15 and winks at him. And the guys just got no clue, and their, their bill comes at full price. That, that doesn't that doesn't sound like Green King. That doesn't sound like it's going to to get Green King more on side. So it's going to annoy them further. It could it could well do, but listen, we'll 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 see how we get on. We'll leave the Green King sponsorship over the festive period. I know that's when a lot of people are taking time out. So if Green King do see a spike in their uh, the footfall and their visitorship and their overall profits, then tell them Craig and Sean sent you. Wink. Sean, as well, I, I normally kick off these podcasts by asking how you're doing. I think it's always important to check in with your mates. But there was a very nasty, very upsetting comment that was left on Twitter by someone called Josh Thompson, who's a Dundee United fan. There's a surprise. And after last week's show was posted, he replied to a tweet from the Terrace account saying, 9.22 if you want to skip the boring shit at the start. Now, Josh Thompson, he might not like checking in his mates. It doesn't sound like Josh Thompson has any mates in the first place. But I do, and Sean, I want to find out how the devil are you? How are you getting on? I listen as ever. I am very well. How are you? Yeah, fine, fine. Just uh, we've got the we're recording this on the Wednesday. It's a big Christmas uh, lunch tomorrow, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Very much. Oh, what are you doing for it? Uh, we're going to. Well, I don't want to give the, like, the game away. I don't want people uh-huh. to to come in, in real life and and, and hunt and, me and down. Talk to you. Uh, yeah, so it's in Glasgow. I'll say that it's a sort of a uh, well known food drinkery in Glasgow. So. So literally the, the entire company that you work for is going out for, for lunch and then what, you go back to work or is that you out all day? Oh, no, no, very much so. It's in the afternoon. I think we were booked out for, well, certainly the duration. And then, I mean, I'm expecting this to go well into the evening. I'm certainly I'm bracing myself for it to go well into the evening. I'm looking forward. It's a good chance to, uh, to, to blow off steam with some friends and associates. That's the way, that's the way I'm pitching it. Do you have steam to blow off? Oh man, very much so, Sean. I am. I'm like a little steam whistle. I just need somebody to pull my chain. And I think by having one small sip of Tenant's Lager with friends and associates, that's going to be enough to, to send me off into the stratosphere. 
you, you sound like an old toilet. You need somebody to pull your chain. I, I'm not. I'm a steam whistle. Whoo! That's what I'm like. I'm just warning people that their shift is finished. My shift will have finished by the time I suck back in that first delicious pint of tenants. Have you have you had your Christmas? Did you miss your Christmas uh, night out? My, my Christmas night out was uh, last week, and oh. it was but it was on the the evening that we recorded a podcast, and I, I just thought Thursday was a weird night for a, a Christmas night, so I didn't go. I, oh, didn't go. I wasn't that fussed for it. Well, that that you you're uh, missing out on your Christmas party certainly benefited me and benefited all the other fifteen people or so that listened to the Lower League podcast. So, so a- apart from Josh or whatever his name was, yeah, I mean, I think that he, I didn't didn't see any comments that he left after those nine twenty two minutes. He just called the, the first part when we catch up with each other boring shit. So who knows if he enjoyed us talking about Wraith Rovers and Stennis Muir. I'm going to assume that if, 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 the, if the stuff when we're not talking about football is boring, everything afterwards is then not boring. So then he must enjoy, yeah. he must have enjoyed the rest of it then, I'm going to assume. Not necessarily. Well, Josh, if you are listening, skip to about the seven-minute mark because that's when <laughs> Sean and I are, are going to actually get into the football and actually talk about it. And Sean, we're going to start with the championship. And normally, it's crazy to think that we saw one of the best games of football all season on Friday night when Wraith Rovers took in Partick Crystal. We're not going to be discussing that. But that's that. What you have I mean, just quickly, uh, what were your thoughts on that game? I, there was a point, see when Wraith went 4 3 up and like, I was going Raj and I sat down and I could actually feel, it felt like my heart was going to burst out my chest. And I, I cannot imagine that it's good for my health. There is a there is a well known comedy trope that that I am I am not getting any younger and Wraith must find a way of winning games more comfortably because I cannot take this much longer. I thought you were going to say the well known comedy trope laughter is the best medicine, <laughs> but not in your case here. Not in your case here. Wraith rolls are literally going to kill you. Well, I hope not. But but yes, it was just it was. I mean, I thought the first half was decent. Like the first half was absolutely fine. I, I thought Wraith were in control when they went two 0 up. I, I thought. There was a part of me that thought, right, we might go on to win this quite comfortably. But there is just this kind of 15 to 20 minute spell, which might derail uh, Wraith's kind of hopes. This season, we'll see how it goes. Certainly, the start to the second half, Wraith Rovers very rarely do it as as much as this ends to a game is, is what they're becoming synonymous for this season. The start to the second half is derailing them week in, week out. And that's why they have to win games yeah. uh, late on. Bye. I mean, regardless, it was just a, a brilliant, a, a brilliant ninety minutes of football. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. it was at, great. At, at, at three two, at three two, I was like, right, right. I'm just going home. I'm just going home after this. Going a little bit back at twelve. Burst. Vaguely remember getting in. But most Wraith Rovers games are now like that every single week. It's class. It's amazing, man. It's, and, and sticking with like like nasty Dundee United fans midway through the the first half. I think it was when Dylan Easton scored. I tweeted out saying that, that I think Dylan Easton's the best player outside the, the Scottish top flight. I, I, I sincerely, sincerely believe that to be the case. He's such an exciting player to watch. He's spoken about in the past and just saying that if only he'd fucking screwed the nut when he was younger, he'd, be, he'd definitely be playing in the Premiership. And a number of people, I perhaps didn't word the tweet specifically because I'd someday, it was mostly Dundee United fans getting out saying, mm, I think Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe might have something to say about that. <laughs> Well, I mean, they're right enough. Yeah, they are right enough. Just say, what but that's just, not what you meant. That's, that's not, not what, what I meant. Mean. Obviously, like in Scotland, outside the Premiership, and then obviously Dundee United fans saying, like, is he I? Like, obviously, like, they've got some. I'm, I'm trying to think of a Dundee United player who's better than Dylan Easton. Louis Moult. 
Oh, come on, that's a boring answer. That's a, that's, that's, that's a boring answer. Uh, anyway, uh, just another example of Dundee United fans uh, get, getting on my case. I'd love to go one week, one week without a Dundee United fan trying to body me. I, I was I was watching the, the Courier podcast from this week. Oh, God. Is that, one, on is, YouTube? That, is that the one with Jim Spence on it? Yes, he was oh. really having he was really having struggles with his uh, with his headset. Oh right, I thought well, I thought what you were going to say is breathing. I, I, <laughs> that couldn't work out. I can only put it down to how much hair he has. Like it really it wouldn't sit on his head. It kept kind of slipping back, and he was trying to fix it. It literally went on for the first ten minutes of the podcast. Is then, he, it, to, then that was enough. To is he good to listen to uh, on these podcasts? I have heard that he just reads out the league tables. He just takes like somebody will talk about Forfar are doing well, and he just reads out the league table. Yeah, they've won their last two games, something like that. And that's him passing off. I just sort of giving a cursory glance to the, the lower leagues. I mean, he, he didn't do that in the first ten minutes, but uh, it, it wasn't overly insightful, I suppose. Did he? Did he talk about the police? Uh, no, but again, it was a long podcast. I right. only listened to about first 10, 15 minutes. I might okay. go back to it. Maybe the, the final 15 minutes, he starts talking at the Alba party or something like that. Go on his Twitter page. I, I occasionally still go on his Twitter page just for looking at just the guys. <laughs> guys, like, have a day off. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a beautiful world out there. Go and enjoy yourself. But we're not here to talk. <laughs> and about, cut your hair. And cut your, and cut your hair, you happy. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're not here to talk about Jim Spence, Dundee United or Wraith Rovers. No, no. We're going to the south side of Glasgow and we are going to be talking about Queen's Park who were demolished 4-1 by Inverness Caledonian Thistle. Despite taking the lead from Jack Turner, very well taken goal, they folded, especially in the second half. And a goal from Max Anderson, Nicola Udger, David Wallerspoon and a Billy Mackay penalty gave it Duncan Ferguson's side a thoroughly deserved win. Now, just a, a wee bit of background here. Um, Queen's Park now have, after, I think that with Greenock Morton having won two games in the bounce, they have slipped down into ninth place. And, I, I, you know, something that I think we can we can pretty much skip over talking about Cali Thistle here because they have played the, the, mm-hmm. the game since. They're doing fine, etc. But Queen's Park really are the, the much more interesting team. We briefly touched on them on our, our Patreon podcast last week. But, like, I mean, the club are a shambles at the moment. It's been... Four months, almost four months since they last won a match in the league. They're, they're just two points off the foot of the table. Uh, and then their director of football, Marion Bucher, whom so much stock had been invested, he joined Ajax at the end of November. The head coach, Robin Velman, departed on Saturday following that loss to Cali Thistle. There was a statement on the website just reduced to two sentences. Um, no best wishes or good luck. And then on top of that, Gardner Spears, who's the head of the academy, he's left too. So... 
What on earth, Sean, is going on with Queen's Park? Because I mean they're medium, they're they're short, they're medium and long term future. Very, very unclear at the moment. I mean, see see just in terms of this game, so purely in terms of that 90 minutes. So this this kind of horrific run has been going on for four months now. But see, even if if this performance had come in October, for example, I think it was so inept and so bad that there would have been calls for, for Veldman's head at that point because it was, it, it was so disastrously terrible. But to come at the end of a, a, a four-month run, bear in mind the last league win was the August the 19th or our something broth, like yeah, that. Yeah, our broth 1-0. I mean, it certainly felt like kind of... It certainly felt like an end of days, I suppose. But in terms of in terms of on the park, it it, it feels like a like, like I know that there's words like banded about like project or whatever. Like a, a first team cannot be a project. You can have a side project. The first team cannot be a project. But it kind of feels like that's what it is right now. But the the performance, both kind of collectively and individually, was as bad as Queens Park have played this season. And watching it back, I, I can see exactly why Veldman was. Whether it was by his own admission, whether he decided to, to to kind of call it a day, whether he was relieved of his position, like we don't know because mm. the communication on Queen's Park is, is so bad. But this was probably the worst performance of the season. Yeah, a, a lot to pick up from what you've said there. I mean, I, I, in terms of Robin Veldman walking away, he signed a three-year contract, I think it was in the summer. Don't, not sure if you would walk away from a, a three-year contract, but certainly it's... It, just uh, him in the sidelines, wear a pair of jeans, very unbecoming. Uh, just Claude and Elka. Claude and Elka wore jeans. There you go. It's, it's a like manager a, cannot wear jeans. A manager cannot wear jeans. It's as simple I, as that. I remember my dad saying to me once, you can never trust a man who doesn't wear a belt. And when he saw Craig White pitch up at Ibrox without wearing a belt, he thought, the alarm bell's ringing. And, uh, and he was right. Was your dad outside at the time? Uh, my dad's John Brown. My, my dad's uh, <laughs> that's that, that's how that's how I know. Dad, dad was uh, outside um, looking, wondering where the deeds are. But no, no, in terms of I bring it back from from the southwest of Glasgow to the to directly to the south side of Glasgow, I I think that there was there was I think this you saw some good parts about Queens Park in this performance, but you also saw them at their very worst. And I think this was that when I say their very worst, this was particularly in the second half, an absolutely d- disastrous performance. They scored a really well-worked goal through Jack Turner midway through the first half. And actually, I think that goal, I think that that crystallises what Queen's Park want to be, where the ball is taken out from back. It starts off with Callum Ferry at the back, rolling it out to, I think it's Tommy Robson at left back. And there's eight passes before the ball's worked into to Jack Turner, who gets a bit of luck with Udger uh, sort of like, the, the, the ball landing at his feet and, and him able to score. But nevertheless, very, very well worked from the goalkeeper all the way through the middle, out to the right, and, and the ball chucked in. Great goal. But, and this is perhaps a lot more alarming, is that you saw Queen's Park at their very worst, where run ragged, lack of collective response, lack of collective responsibility, lack of individual responsibility. Players who didn't really seem to know what they were doing, very, very soft-centred, very, very easy to play against. And I honestly don't think that Cali Thistle, in that, certainly in that second half, will have an easier half of football to play this season because certainly all three goals in that half, all three goals in that half, and maybe you could even, if you want to be a bit crueler, you could say Max Anderson's goal, the equaliser, that could have been prevented, but all those goals could have been stopped and they weren't. 
and that's and and we can say it, it comes down to like a bad day at the office, but under Veldman, that's four months of having bad days at the office. Aye, agreed. And I also agree what you say about the second half in terms of the defending collectively and individually, but in terms of that, in terms of the equaliser, they went in at, at half time one all. But Lewis Reed was like rolled far too easily, kind of out wide for the for the cross that came in for the it's, for the equaliser, and that was a, a a recurring theme. Yeah, I was going to say, man, it sounds because he's like nineteen year old academy graduate, and he'll have a, a lot of learning to do. But I got to say that was a really really dismal performance from from Lewis. I think directly responsible for two of the goals, and just looked shell shock playing at, uh, at sort of like left centre back there. Exposed a lot of time. I don't think Robson necessarily gave him, a, mm-hmm. gave him a lot of help. But nevertheless, it was just uh, coming up against someone like David Wotherspoon, Nathan Shaw, guys like that, guys who are like powerful, direct runners. In Wotherspoon's case, very, very tricky, very unpredictable. He was left badly exposed and, and, mm-hmm. and left wanting there. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I suppose that kind of ultimately kind of burrows down into what Queen's Park issues issues are this season, so they don't really have an issue scoring goals. Like they score plenty of goals, or a kind of kind of mid table in terms of scoring goals. But in terms of trying to keep it out, it's been a disaster. Can kind of worse than the division. And then you look at the fact that that their starting lineup on Saturday had Tommy Robson. I think Lewis Reed. So so Tommy Robson was the only one that that had. Any experience? I think Lewis Reed's nineteen. Alex Bannon, his kind of centre half partner, might have been twenty. Ben McPherson was nineteen. And you think to yourself, where would Queens Park be if they'd kept Lee Kildy, for example, and then brought in somebody who had a wee bit of experience at right back, and then even somebody in front of them to to protect them that again had a wee bit of experience? Because the thing is, in terms of Whatever whatever level of football you're at, whether it's the, 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 the Scottish Premiership or League Two or whatever, you'll bring through young players. Each season, you'll bring through young players and you might bring through a handful. You might be through one, two, three. Maybe, maybe every couple of seasons, you'll bring through young players. And you know from experience, exactly the same as I do, that one of three things will happen. These young players will either progress and move upward through the, the pyramid they will find their feet and be perfectly capable at the level that you've brought them in at, or they will move down and they won't be quite good enough. But that's fine if you're only bringing through one, two, three in a squad of experienced players. But the fact that Queen's Park have kind of based it in the majority of their squad on young players who don't really know how good they are. Like, again, the majority of them might be good in, in two or three years. But what I would say is, almost all of them at this moment in time are not good enough for the championship. And I just feel like such a, even in the summer, it felt like a very high-risk manoeuvre. And that, maybe that wasn't Robin Vellman's fault, I don't know. And maybe maybe if they had a more experienced squad and a better squad, then they might have been mid-table. I, I, I don't think he's getting the most out of them, or he didn't get the most out of them, that's what I would say. But in terms of a squad-building exercise, like the summer was where they made... Their, their, their ultimate mistake and I don't think this, this squad is good enough at, at all at this moment in time No that's I've, I've, I wrote that down there I think that Robin Vellman he, he was he's played his hand very badly but he was dealt a very weak hand I'm going to mm-hmm. assume it's Marion Bucher that was responsible for signing these players I, yeah, in fact I'm saying I'm saying I'm sure it was because before Vellman actually came into the club 
any time Queen's Park announced the signing, it was Marion Bucher that was posing for them with photographs of the players and their parents and the families and so on. And I'm sure even after Feldman came in, it was still Bucher that was, that was posing that was posing with them. So you've got to assume that Bucher was the one who was responsible for putting the squad together. The fact that Robin Feldman's title is head coach kind of gives an indication as to where the responsibility lies for recruitment. But even so, just you can talk about like having young and inexperienced players, but I don't think you'll see as poor a goal conceded. Well, maybe you will actually, because we're going to talk about some poor goals that are conceded actually this season. But in terms of like David Wotherspoon's goal, the third goal, like Wotherspoon, I saw on, on social media, Wotherspoon was getting a great pop for that goal for his his feet, you know, to jink between the Queen's Park players and, and create the space for himself to get a shot. And when you think of it from that perspective, it's a very well-taken goal. But the defend, nobody moved. It was like a man trying to get out of the way of a puddle when he's walking down the street and he sort of tiptoes his way around it. It just, they were so bad. Like, so bad. And, and I don't know what, what that speaks about if that's just like, the, if the players aren't trying. I never think that's the case. I think it's only in the rarest of circumstances that players don't try. But it just like, why are you allowing this guy to, to waltz and slalom and sashay his way through the penalty box? I mean, surely I as a manager, you're 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 not going to tell your players don't don't get stuck in in these in these circumstances. It was such a bad goal to lose. Good from Wotherspoon's part, but just dreadful from Queen's Park's perspective. No, you're right because he kind of I think he swiveled away from Alex Bannon. I think it was. I could be wrong. But then Lewis Reed, like he doesn't really react at all. He kind of swivels past him to to get a shot away. And you're right. See, in terms of things like I. So I kind of bristle at comments like, ah, the players have chucked it, or ah, the other team just wanted it more. Like, I, I really, I, I find those those comments like that, I, I really disagree with them because I often think well, it's to do with a lack of confidence or it's to do with maybe the other team's just better and things like that. However, see if a Queen's Park fan had an opinion that the, the players had chucked it and then I wanted to make a kind of counter-argument but then they showed me those highlights, I would struggle to make one. And that's why it really felt like a kind of end of days, I suppose, for, for Velman on Saturday. It was inept. Even in the, the first half, the second half was, was as bad as it was because they, they conceded three goals. But in the, the second half, there was, there was a bit where Udster makes a run forward. He makes a sort of run for the middle of the park and just no one follows him. And there's Tommy Robson pointing to Lewis Reid to, I had to watch it back a couple of times in the Queen's Park Highlights, pointing to Lewis Reed is almost to say like, oh, I'm, I'm passing one to you, you need to deal with him. And by that point, Utter's going full pelt. It's very difficult for, for Reed to turn and try and uh, like maintain pace with him. And I think that Utter, uh, what, did, what, what, what did I see, what, what, what did he do there? Yeah, he should have done better with his finish. I think he, he, he put the ball wide, but, but no, one, no one really like tracks the run. And that's the sort of, the, 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 just like what I'm saying there about the, the lack of responsibility, no one just doing your job properly, getting out there and yeah. stop, stopping crosses and, and just, just being there and being switched on and, and being aware. I think the, the so, point is, is, sorry, on you go. The, the, the only thing I was going to say in terms of, to, to totally agree with you, see in terms of lack of responsibility, see the second goal. Mm. So the one, the, the goal that the Ojo scored from the, the corner to put Inverness 2-1 up. Like he scored from whatever it was, like four yards out, uh, from a, a decent delivery from the, the, the corner kick, there were 10 Queen's Park players in the six-yard box. 
and nobody took responsibility at all. Almost like nobody really done anything. And I don't know if it was just he didn't even need to. He didn't even need to jump. He thought, well, he did jump. He thought, but it was just sort of like a up oh, rather than actually like powering a header in. Exactly, exactly. He just he, he rose higher than anybody else, but that's because nobody else jumped. And I don't know if it's because. Is it because they don't care? Is it because they don't try? I, I don't believe that. Maybe it was because there's so many Queen's Park players in the six-yard box that they don't know who's responsible for what. I, I, I don't know, but it just it summed up everything about that, everything about the performance. I think that we're coming to the stage, so we've got a couple of weeks until the January transfer window opens, and the the, the, the big thing is that, right, I mean, Queen's Park, for instance, we're recording this podcast on the Wednesday night, so something might have gone out, while we're recording, or whatever you've got this game at the weekend against Greenock Morton. It's a massive game because Morton are real. Morton have, Morton have overtaken them in the table. Those back to back wins over Arbroath and Cali Thistle on the, the the one against ICT on the Tuesday night. Who's taking the team? Who's taking the team for this one? Nobody knows, and and that's the thing. Like, but that doesn't surprise me that nobody knows because, as we've said for years now, as much as Queens Park have progressed on the park, off the park. They're hopeless. And if I was a Queen's Park fan, that's probably what would disappoint me the most. And I, I don't know what's happening. And I don't need to know every every minute detail of what's what's going on. But like, like nobody knows like who's taking the team. Like you, you mentioned the the statement that went out on Saturday night. It was two sentences. Like, again, it's not necessarily a big thing. But thanking Veldman or giving some indication of what was happening in the next, this week coming. It's just, it's hopeless. But then it's not surprising because their communication and off-field activities for whatever it is, four or five years yeah, now. Yeah, maybe since they've gone professional. It's been rubbish. Which is, that's, that's the irony, isn't it? That since they've gone professional, the communication's been, been really, really poor. We don't know if Marion Bucher's going to be replaced. Not sure who's calling the shots. You're going to assume Leanne Dempster given her seniority within the club but we've I mean when's the last time you heard anything from Leanne Dempster it might have been in that game against was it uh, when she appeared on BBC Scotland Ergy against Ergy she was uh, at half time yeah. and she said oh, exactly. they asked her like, what, what, what happens if Queen's Park get, get promoted oh we'll deal with it if it comes great that's exactly uh, you know that's exactly what we're looking at that'll really uh, put us at ease but even things like so I've read this week that there is a, a committee in charge of Queen's Park but I said I'm not entirely sure I knew that so there's a committee either making decisions or in charge of Queen's Park, but then what about Leanne Dempster? What about Willie Hockey? Like, I, I don't... The, the, the more I kind of read about Queen's Park or the more I learn about Queen's Park, the, probably the less I understand about them. Mm-hmm. They're a, 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 a really, really strange club that, that need a wee bit more transparency, certainly from uh, their, their fans' perspective. Definitely, because there's, there's the question. I think we, we'll, we'll talk about a new manager, but is Marion Bucher going to be replaced? Do you want to maintain this direct this director of football, this continental model? Personally, I, I, I think they should maintain it. I know it's a bit of a bump in the road at the moment. It needs to be modified, of course. You, like, you can't, you can't just sign like 19-year-olds and expect the, expect the team to gel immediately. You've got to sign. You're going to have to sign. I think, guys, you'll probably have to sign like a, a Robbie Muirhead, for instance. You're going to have to sign someone who's like played for Dundee last season, who's in their 30s. Because it's all very well having these really good young players. And there are some really good young players in this Queen's Park team. Like Jack Thompson's someone I think is really, really good. Uh, he was excellent when I went to see him against uh, Hamilton Ackies. That array of attackers are, 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 are really good players. But I mean, it's to put them in with so many 
guys who are just learning their trade, learning how to to bounce back from from defeat, learning how to like the the dark arts of the game and so on, game management, all that. It's just it's not. It doesn't feel like it's a conducive environment for for these young players to to, to learn from. I would like to see them though maintain it, but just have a wee bit more pragmatism with it. And I, that that's the thing. I mean, if they do want to to deviate, I mean, Willie Hawhey certainly got the resources to it. I saw somebody on Pine Bovril like refer to Queens Park as like Gretna two point and a Queens Park fan came back and and said it's not Queens Park two point If we wanted to mimic what Gretna did, we have got the resources, demonstrably wealthy resources. If you wanted to do that, we could have a team that's in the top six. In, in the Premiership, so so interestingly on that, I again I find this quite confusing about Queens Park. I mean, there's so many confusing aspects about the about the club. If you'd looked a little bit down in League Two, I'd said that was a an expensively assembled squad for League Two. Likewise, I'd have said the the, the same for League One when they they managed to get promoted from that. But this Different, time around, uh, this doesn't feel like an expensively assembled squad. Even last season, you want to go back to last season. Like Dundee would have had the biggest budget in the league. Queen's Park might have been second. I don't know. This won't be the second biggest budget in the championship. No chance. An entire squad, almost an entire squad of very young players, teenagers, early 20s, they won't be in a lot of money. So is it because they still are a club that have money available, but they've decided to go down a, a slightly different route, But which makes sense, to be fair. So in terms of... Do they have the funds to go out in January? I don't know. Do they have the funds to bring in a good manager? I, I don't know. They are just a, a curious football team that I kind of got my head around. I'm going to assume that it's Paul Newton. I don't think I pronounced that properly. I don't think I pronounced any names I've said properly. I'm about a <laughs> massive apologies to Udster, um, at Nikolai Udster at Cali. That's probably not how you pronounce his name. I think it's Paul Newton who will be taking charge of, of this game against Great Morton at the, at the weekend. But they, even if, if so, if we don't know what's happened with Bucher, Gardner Spears, who we mentioned at his head of academy, his position needs to be filled. The manager, are they, because surely if you're going to appoint a manager, you need to appoint the director of football in the first instance and then allow him to, to select the manager. But just saying, is, uh, just that's I don't know names of directors of football, but I do know some of the names that have been linked to the Queen's Park job. Tam Courts, Scott Brown, Charlie Mulgrew, John Hughes, Malky Mackay. Any of them sort of tickle your fancy? I, if I was a Queen's Park fan, I would want Tam Courts, I think. Because again, it's quite weird because you can probably, you can probably throw 20 names at this position and say, under normal circumstances, if it was a normal club, you'd say, right, well, those 10, no chance we're getting them. But because we don't know what Queen's Park's budget is or, or, or what they're looking for exactly, then no, like 20 might be potential I would say Tam Courts would probably be their best bet I think because he has previous at working at the full time level and kind of lower level with kind of younger players especially so I think Tam Courts would be a decent fit I but bear in mind this is Queen's Park I, I could see it being uh, Malky Mackay. I believe his father is involved in some capacity mm-hmm. at Queen's Park albeit I, I think a, a minor capacity uh, which might rule them out, but I listen. It's Queens Park, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it's just a, a confusing situation as always. It's the it's the fans that the one you feel sorry for because 
when you when there's that absence of communication, that absence of information, then it's just like rumor and gossip and innuendo that fills the spaces, and that's and that's what we're doing. That, that that's what we're doing. We we're trying to trying to make sense. But we're reading the stuff on social media. We're the ones going in pie and bobble, trying to pick through it, watching the highlights, watching the post match interviews. But there's just a complete void, and so no one knows what they're trying to do. I think what they they need to do is have like a publish a video on their YouTube channel where it's like Demps are sitting down and is just going through like a half hour interview where he's just answering questions about what this club is, what happened with uh, Buca, what happened with Veldman, what, what's happening with the future? What is the point of this club? Because if you said, Sean, being a development club is one thing, being a club where you bring through young players is one thing. That's a good thing. That's an admirable thing. That's an attractive thing. But ultimately, you still have to win games. What, what does it say for Queen's Park? Like, oh, we... The, the young guys completed loads of passes, but we still lost 4-0. It's a good experience for them. Of course it's a good experience for them, but ultimately you still need to... You're, you're a functioning football club. You still need to, to win games and be competitive and, and challenge and, and, and not get relegated. And I mean, that's four points from the last 11 matches. That's that's terrible for them. I mean, that might be the worst in the division in that in that period of time. Maybe our broth are, uh, are sort of there, but uh, shocking and... and Aye, you you really wonder uh, what happens, and we'll have to keep on wondering because we're probably not going to we're probably not going to find out or be told. But I am looking forward to them appointing John Hughes. Aye, let's see. I, 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 do you think John Hughes was his is is his after those spells at, at Wraith and and Dunfermline, particularly spell at Dunfermline? Is do you think that's him finished? Do you think there'll always be uh, uh, he'll always be in the, the run for stuff? There, there might be somebody along. There might be somebody along. Could one of the lowest full-time teams in Scotland appoint him? Maybe. Just as well Marvin Bartley won <laughs> against Montrose at the weekend. <laughs> now, before we go, Sean, I know we start off the championship by talking about Wraith Rovers, but I mean, we, I think we, we can't finish up without previewing the match against Dundee United on Saturday. This is at Tanadice, Dundee United, Wraith Rovers, biggest game in the country taking place at the weekend. I don't care what's happening in the League Cup, don't care what's happening in League One. This is the biggest game that's taking place. How are you you feeling about it? First of all, are you going to the match? I am. I am. And really? to, to be fair, like we're recording this on a Wednesday, Wraith Rovers play Airdrie, uh, Wraith Rovers play Abroth tonight. So they could go to Tanadice, top of the league, or they could go second. They're taking a huge support. They've almost, as of the Wednesday, they've almost sold out the, really? the away stand at Tanadice. I am not saying that Wraith Rovers would be favourites for that game, of course. However, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that, that Rovers do go there and win. Like, they are they're very good. Certainly in, in terms of on the front foot, they are very, very good. I, I, I saw highlights of Dungeon United Airdrie uh, the weekend. I thought they were reasonably stodgy. Admittedly, I do think if Dungeon United have a, a fully fit starting 11, it's better than ours and they could get our defence, which is certainly the weakest part of the team. However, I, I think it could be an excellent game, and I wouldn't say that Wraith don't have a chance, put it that way. I hope Wraith Rovers win. I'm so excited. I think I'm, so I, I'm disappointed this game's actually not on the telly on the Friday night, because this would be this would be an absolute, uh, absolute corker, but not every game in Scotland that's broadcast can be a Wraith Rovers game. That's that is deeply <laughs> unfortunate. That is deeply unfortunate. But no, I hope you win. But we'll go. Uh, we've spoke, we've spent some time in Glasgow. That's Scotland's most populous city. We'll go to Scotland's capital city 
And we'll talk about Edinburgh City. How many cities can you fit in one link? Well, there's three for you. But they're Edinburgh City, terrible. Uh, citizens of the club experiencing serious financial difficulties and face an uncertain future. They lost 3-1 to Sterling Albion at the weekend, but that doesn't even really tell the tell the full story. Despite Robbie Mann opening the score for Citizens midway through the first half, Robert Thompson, Jack Leach put the Beanos ahead before the interval, before Josh Cooper put the game beyond doubt just after the hour mark. Sterling Albion uh, arrested a terrible run of five defeats with that win there in seventh. But it's Edinburgh. Edinburgh, the much more interesting club to talk about. I've done a wee intro. I'll need to keep on going because I need to put this into context, Sean. I mean, we spoke about it on, on last week's Patreon. The Edinburgh players, they've not been paid for a number of weeks and a large number of the squad didn't take part in this match. And there were rumours that some of them went out on the piss on a big weekend in Dublin instead. But Scott Mercer and Liam Fontaine as well, a couple of lone players, were the only recognisable names in the starting eleven. The rest of the team was fleshed out with youngsters from the club's development squad. A good effort, but I think on the whole they were exposed. Lack of quality, lack of experience, I was exposed by uh, Sterling Albion here. Yeah, very much so. As much as uh, Edinburgh's uh, opening goal, because they went 1-1 up, might have been a favourite goal of the weekend. Good goal. I, 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 as goal. in, it, it was silly. And a very good finish. So, like, Blair Curry had the ball in possession, hurled it out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he was aiming at. Like, there didn't seem to be any, any Sterling Albion player remotely near uh, who he rolled it. He rolled it to uh, Robbie Mann. But Robbie Mann, he'd, like, still had a lot to do. That's like, a great touch, touch finish, yeah. First touch. Like, whatever it is, 30, 30 yards for goal, yep. presumably. And the way, like, dinked it perfectly paced, perfectly, uh, perfectly executed, right over Curry and into that. So that probably gave Edinburgh fans a, I don't know, a, a false sense of hope. But I think what happened after that was what was going to happen to Edinburgh for the rest of the season. If they can make it out as a club, if they can make it on as a club, because Sterling ultimately saw this game out quite comfortably. I, I think, though, you're saying the sort of thing that's going to happen for the rest of the season. You don't expect one of your most experienced defenders to try and dribble no. out from his own box and no, lose, no, lose no, possession. Right. No, there was no danger at all uh, for the for Stanley's equaliser. Like, Scott Mercer uh, had the ball at the edge of the box. Like, presumably had, well, all the options. Whatever option a centre-half needs when he's in possession of football, he had all of them but then gave it away to Robert Thompson, who, who, who had a, a decent finish uh, beneath Andy McNeil. But then from that point onwards, like Sterling, we're, we're always going to win that game, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose that we can we can talk about the, the goals if you, if you want. There's a bit of things, a, a, caught, a cross comes into the box. I think it's Adam Can number three, sort of heads it back, back just to the edge of the area and it falls at Jack Leach. That's bad enough, but no one closes Leach down. Yep. It's, a, it's actually a very, very well-taken goal, but I mean, you can leave a player Jack Leach's quality the thing to control mm-hmm. and shoot. That's going to happen. And then like, they had the chance, Edinburgh had a really good chance to equalise. I think it was um, it was Mahan again, actually. Really good piece of a play in the middle of the park between Gwang Rad Peter. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. He feeds Kieran Offord and it's a really, really nice reverse ball and he really should have scored, hit it off Blair Curry's legs. And then Josh Cooper would come on as a sub one minute later standing over a free kick. Puts it in the back of the net. I think it was supposed to be a cross. I think that he's probably a bit surprised. Miss hit it a wee bit, but certainly deceived Andy Neal and, and, and went into the net. And then I suppose that Carrick missed a penalty late on. McNeil did well to, to save it. But 
Aye, I think it's uh, ultimately, despite the fact that Michael Mackendo in his post-match interview, full of praise for his young players, as he should be, given the circumstances, uh, aye, just uh, pretty straightforward for Sterling Albion at the end. Aye, and I, I have, are we starting to lean towards Edinburgh, maybe starting to stay up? I, like yes, I actually think if this game had taken, uh, on Michael Mackendo in his post-match interview, said that the, the team that he had picked, he had a team set out on Thursday to play on the Saturday, and that all changed with the, yeah. I think it was eight players who, who chose, or who were advised not to play, or, or mm-hmm. chose not to play, or whatever. Uh, and that, that team changed. So I think that under normal circumstances, I'd have fancy Edinburgh for this one, mm-hmm. but when you're yeah. having to play, what, but a gang of teenagers, Scott Mercer and Liam Fontaine, always going to be mm-hmm. very difficult. Yeah, I mean, you look at the sort of quick scan at players I noticed that didn't play either from the Montrose game or maybe players that would have expected to play even if they didn't play in the Montrose game. So Ennis Murray, mm-hmm. Callum Crane, Ryan Shanley, Danny Handling, he's away. Leach. Sorry to interrupt you, Danny Handling's already announced that he's away. I think he'll no, be the, fir- the first of several. No, I know that. So he's announced that he's away. Robbie Leach, Kyle Jacobs, Lee Hamilton, Lewis Spence, Russell McLean, Admittedly, I don't know if Russell McLean would have the biggest uh, impact on uh, not being involved at Edinburgh anymore. But regardless, like there's a lot of players in there that would make a massive difference in terms of Edinburgh staying up. Yeah. And again, similar to what we've spoken about, about about Queen's Park. Now, if I was an Edinburgh fan, I'd be raising the fact that we are reliant on the Sun to give us an update. Oh, that's the... or, or Danny Handling's Twitter. Totally. You know, it's like it's almost like having. Like a convicted paedophile as an uncle, where like you don't mention him at all. It's just like it's just it's something it's something that's there, but you don't you don't talk about because there, there's no mention of it on the club's website, no yep. mention of it on the Edinburgh City's uh, social media account. Mm-hmm. They don't discuss it directly. Again, going by Michael Mackendall's post-match interview, the the interviewer says to him, you know, it's it's, it's been a tough week. Michael Mackendall doesn't even explain what it is. He, he says he's going to sit down with the board and all that and and, and find out what's going on. And it really feels like, I mean, everyone knows what's happening here, but no one's actually mm. no one's actually saying what it is. Yeah, so so we don't really get a, a, an expectation or an understanding of how bad is this? Like, we, like we know it's bad. Like, the fact that potentially umpteen players have left the club, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't bode well. But, but what kind of... Where are we here? Like, are we... Are they going to make out the season? Is that kind of potentially going to administration? Mm-hmm. Are they going to avoid administration? If it's administration, then presumably a points deduction. Like Michael McIndoe was talking about, he's spoken to wise old owls. I thought that was quite a funny quote on uh, on his on his interview. Like, I thought generally his interview was quite good, but when he was talking about wise old owls, I thought that was weird. And he said, oh, well, it's now, they were telling me it's now impossible. I mean, if they get a points deduction, then, then yes, it is. I mean, it absolutely will be impossible. As well, he said, like, the players at the start of the week all came up to him for a cuddle. Mm, I doubt that very, very much. I've heard uh, some stuff about Michael McIndoe's managerial style. He does not sound like the kind of person that you'd want to hug or be managed by, generally. But Sean, especially, if you're, especially if you're a wallet in your butt pocket. <laughs> Sean, I actually sat down with a, with a pen and paper and made tally marks. How many times do you think he said Dave during this uh, interview? Now, I, I listened to the interview and it was only about six-ish minutes. Six six minutes, uh, two seconds. How many times do you think he said the word Dave? Twelve? Twenty-four. 
<laughs> Seriously, <laughs> sat down with a pen and paper, 24 days. That's four days a minute. That's value for money. That is value for money. If you don't believe me, go and watch it. Go and watch it and sit and count for yourself. It was a lot of Daves. I didn't realise it was 24, but my goodness, fair play. Yeah, I, I suppose that, that McIndoe is, is is probably the, 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 I would say it's the most difficult challenge he's ever faced in football, I'm sure he's uh, faced a lot more difficult <laughs> stuff uh, outside, of the, outside of the game. But he has got, he's got such a, a difficult task to, to try and keep this young team together because I reckon for some of the young guys, I was taking, I was taking a look at them that, some of them had made appearances in the League Cup and the Challenge Cup, like Adam Can, his first ever league appearances, Brody Devine's first ever league appearance, Struan Mayer's first ever league appearance. Peter, he was a late sub in the 3 2 1 over an athletic, so was Kai McNamara. Sakari Dublin Green, first ever senior appearance. And I suppose if your young boys are just thrust into it, apparently the development squad's quite handy, this Edinburgh team, I, I think. Like it's, I think the the excitement and the adrenaline will get you through. And they were competitive in the match, just not not as good as still them. They were competitive in that match, but when it when it's like into the season, say it's like into February, for instance, and if there has been a points deduction, if there is, if the club do go into administration or, or whatever, what's the morale like? And will will Mackindale be be encouraged to stay? Because I'm not sure it's it's such a difficult job that. What are you getting from this other than you get the chance to to manage in the SPFL? But I, I feel I feel really, really sorry for their for their supporters. There's one Ali Moncrief who spoke on the terrace, he, he certainly communicates well on, on Pine Bottle. Feel sorry for the likes of him. You're getting more from him posting in Pine Bovel than your official yeah. statements from the from the club. You know, he's been at meetings and so on. He's 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 done well to to keep people updated. But I we need to know, I say we, the the greater we fans need to know what's going on with this football team, what's happening, can the club be saved, is there a financial package that can be put in place to, to rescue us, can, what's going to happen in the next couple of months, are these players going to leave us, because if you were a team like say Kelty Hearts for instance, off the top of my head, Kelty Hearts or like Dumbarton, Stennis Muir, Forfer, you'd be looking at some of these players mm -hmm. and thinking, I definitely fancy them, these guys could come in and do a really, really good job for us. I think like Shanley, Ennis, Murray, Lewis Spence, they'll, they will not be short of offers. In it. But what's happening? But what is going to happen to this uh, this, this football team in the, the, the short term? And as, as much as, as McIndoe was talking about how, like, how proud he was of his team, such a young team, and applying themselves quite well and giving Still and Albion a, a, a game, I actually think if, if Edinburgh had... If Edinburgh had... If they were thinking about surviving in this league, which obviously they, they are, they probably need to beat Stirling Albion. Like, like Stirling were, were a, a team. If you look at that starting eleven, Stirling Albion starting eleven. That that's probably arguably a League Two starting eleven, a, a good League Two starting eleven. Like Stirling have had like a, a, a weird season that they haven't really strengthened their, their squad from from winning League Two, and they were on a bad run. And if they wanted to catch somebody up, it was Stirling Albion. Now you think to yourself, right? Well, who are Edinburgh going to catch up? Is it? Is it Annan? Can it maybe finish ninth? I, I'm, I'm not so sure. And you're right. There would have been a, an adrenaline about Saturday and that they're a young team that were giving it their all. They hadn't been in that position before and maybe they would have given that extra 5% or whatever. Come to February, if we're still in the same position, you suspect they'll be losing 6 now, yeah. 7 now to teams. I, I wonder what McIndoe's team talk would have been going into it. He said, everyone thinks you guys are going to lose. 
everyone everyone knows what's going here. Everyone thinks you're going to prove prove that you're good players and you, and you're not going to lose. And I that that only got them so far. I mean, you, I think he said in his post match interview the young players were gassing at the end after about like yeah. a half an hour. Sorry, half an hour. Imagine that half an hour in. That's <laughs> me after I'm done after an hour after an hour and said they need to be they need to be taken off. But what happens like that? So everyone thinks we're going to lose here. That's only going to get you so far. So it's a very, very difficult job. But I think that in the circumstances, like flipping it around, I'm not sure if there's anything else to be said about Edinburgh. I mean, they're still what's at a point behind Annan, who are Annan are not in good form at the moment as well. So in the meantime, they can still, I think they'll be looking to finish in ninth. I think we said that at the beginning of the season, it's going to be a straight shout between them two, between ninth and tenth. But if you want to talk about Sterling Albion, I think that this. They really, really need to win. They really, mm-hmm. really need to win because I, I suspected for a couple of months, a couple of months now, a couple of weeks now, that they are going to be suckered in and and, mm-hmm. and become a three way bottle, a three way battle at the bottom of the table between themselves, Edinburgh and Annan. Not sure that's going to be the case now, but I think it was a really important win. And and all Edinburgh in this period were were the perfect team for them to play against just because they didn't have that experience and that, that know-how to play against. So Sterling, their defenders, big, strong boys, Jordan McGregor, Ross McGeeky, big, strong boys, slow, difficult to get around. You're playing against like young boys who can be pushed around, can he win high balls? That's good. Midfield, slow and easy and, and quite easy to play against. I watched the highlights of their, their 2-0 defeat to, to Aloha Athletic. Aloha are miles better than them, passed right through them. But because in this match, the, 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 these youngsters don't necessarily have the fitness to do that, that's why Sterling Hill were able to take control. And and up front, if you're playing like Scott Mercer, Scott Mercer does something like that, like when he tries to dribble out defence and lose possession, you're obviously going to score from it. But the fact is Fontaine and Mercer in the middle of the park and two teenagers playing at left-back, Sterling Hill have got a good array of attacking options that can take advantage of that. So it's really... It was the ideal, the ideal opposition for anyone, but especially for Still and Albion because their deficiencies within their own squad weren't exploited because mm-hmm. Edinburgh didn't have the personnel to exploit it, if you know what I mean. I, I do know what you mean, but what I would say is I don't know if Sterling Albion will get a great advantage from this game because I expect everybody to be Edinburgh now. I think so. I think with Edinburgh, I can see them being like Brecon City in mm-hmm. the 17-18 season in the championship. And I remember they got to the stage where, I think I've said this in a podcast previously, it was getting to the stage where, where Brecon were losing every week. And I'm sure managers' team talks at that time would have been, we are not going to be the side that loses to Brecon. And so subconsciously the players would try a little bit harder, even though the team <laughs> were the worst in the division. You do not want to be the side that drops points to this Brecon team. People will be the same in this division when it comes to Edinburgh City. You do not want to be the side that loses to these eighteen-year-olds with double-barrel names. You know, it's, this is this isn't going to happen here. So it's very, very difficult to see how they pull themselves out of it. What, of what happens with the club? The club need to acknowledge it in the first instance, because just like I say, just like skirting around it, and like even their tweet at full time saying, "Oh, the young players performed courageously," or whatever it was. If if you didn't know, you'd be like, "Oh." Why, why are they fielding young players? What's yeah. the what's the story? Because it's not it's not being acknowledged. They even seem to be like ever since the news emerged, like the main Edinburgh City Twitter feed is like retweeting things about the under twenties. But but again, giving no information about the the first team. 
It's had a very strange set of circumstances. Yeah, very strange set of circumstances. Yeah, so I think that's a big win for Stirling Albion, very important win for Stirling Albion, uh, but Edinburgh City. I think they've got Queen of the South next as well. And this is Queen of the South, maybe a couple of weeks ago, you think they'd fancy it for them, but given the fact they're playing children and the fact that Marvin Bartley's side unexpectedly, completely out of nowhere, beat Montrose 4 at the weekend, you would imagine this is going to be a bit of a cakewalk for the Dunhamers. You'd imagine. I, that, You'd I, imagine. I think Queen of the South will win, and quite comfortably, yes. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we move away from inter featured match in League 2, Sean, there's a big game taking place in League 1 this weekend where Hamilton Ackies are taking on Falkirk, first versus second. It's only goal difference that separates the teams at the moment, despite the fact that Ackies have played one game more. But instead of previewing this match, we'll talk about, obviously talk about the match, but instead of pre- immediately previewing the match, I think it's important to talk about the ticketing situation. I don't know if you've been keeping Weird. up to this. Like, it's physical tickets only. Hamilton Ackies have sent 2,000 briefs to Falker, which can only be bought from the club shop, which is great if you're local or you have got are able to, to get through to Falkirk in time for it shutting at 7 o'clock in the evening. <laughs> but not so great if you don't live in Falkirk or you are busy in the evening with other stuff. I mean, this is brought to my attention by a guy, Roman Byrne, on Pie and Bovel. He asked us to discuss it on View from the Terrace. Fortunately, View from the Terrace has taken its winter break. So I thought it would be a, an interesting t- topic to discuss here. Why on earth in this day and age are you having to travel to, to, to the local club to buy physical tickets for this match? I, I think it's banging order. And, and I know what you're saying in terms of it must be physical tickets only, but only if you're an away fan. Yeah. So Hamill fans can buy them online via their fan base app, but Falkirk fans can't. Like There was a really good example where there was a Falkirk fan who he stays close to Hamilton. Yeah. What you assume is he'll have to he'll have to drive to Falkirk during office hours, pick up a ticket so that he can go to a game that's whatever it is, five or ten minutes from, from his from his house. I, I I just think it's as treating fans very, very poorly. And and listen, maybe there's maybe there's a reason for it that I am that I cannot get my head around or that I haven't thought of. I I, I don't know. But in this day and age, I mentioned it a few times, but making it more difficult for fans to come to games as a, a, a strange and very backward way to approach it from a club's perspective. I would say that in this day and age, why on earth are Hamilton not able to sell e-tickets to away fans? But then I remember last week you spoke about their podcasts and the the, the, <laughs> the stuff on their YouTube channel. So so maybe it isn't strange at all. But I'm thinking like, I, uh, I like earlier in the season, I went to a game between the Spartans and Stennis. We were through in Edinburgh. Now, my season tickets on the fan base app, my Stennis season tickets on the fan base app, and the number of clubs that are that are supported by fan base. I went into that app and bought, I got off the train at Edinburgh, took a walk into the, the north of the city. It was fine. It was a really nice day, so I didn't object to walking. It was like a 45-minute walk. And on the way there, bought the ticket for the game there. It took, took seconds, came off my bank card, and then was just, just able to, to get it scanned in easy. I didn't need to, to, to preemptively travel to Edinburgh to come back, to go back through to Edinburgh for the game. And it just... 
it just it just sucks. It just sucks. And I hope that guy. I hope the guy is able to go to the game and doesn't have to to travel all the way to to Falkirk to come back. I mean, it's Falkirk and Hamilton. It's not a massive difference, but it's not the point. It's just it's massively inconvenient. What if you were you stayed in? You stayed in Manchester and you were you're a Falkirk fan that stayed in Manchester and wanted to go to the game. Shit. It's in this in this day and age. Bear in mind, we had the whole kind of COVID situation, but like most clubs, like I kind of felt like, like they all kind of had to had to get on board. Yeah, with kind it, of had it, to yeah. give that whole kind of buying tickets online. But and yet here we are, where Hamilton are saying, "Oh no, we, you Falcon fans, you kind of buy tickets online." Very strange, and it feels bang out of order. And it, I, I'd like to think it isn't because they want to be awkward. Like surely they're not being awkward. Because Hamilton presumably need as many fans as possible. Like like any Scottish football club need as many fans as possible in the door on a Saturday. But uh, I mean, let's face it, they've presumably turned fans away and that's that feels like a very odd thing to do. I mean, this is the this is the biggest game of the season as well. This is this is this is this is a huge game at the at the top of the table. Falkirk already have sold about thirteen hundred tickets. Mm-hmm. I was reading not far off that. And here we are on, on recording this on the Wednesday. You would like to think that that's going to be more by the, the end of the week, and they can sell at their allocation because, like, like Falkirk, that's something to their credit. They always, they always have a have, have good supports. But why make it so difficult for them to, to get yeah. there? I don't know the logistics behind it. I don't know the thinking behind it. But why would you, when you know it's the biggest game of the season for Hamilton, it's a great opportunity to make money. Why would you not? Make it as easy as possible to make money for yourselves from the, the from a big travelling support. Bear in mind, they're still trying to recoup that million pound they lost to a Nigerian <laughs> prince. Here's a perfect opportunity to make another ten grand or so back. How do you think this game will go? I mean, the the last encounter besides that was billed as a blockbuster, uh, and that uh, that that brought new meanings to the word brutality. It, it was it was terrible. I I think this game will also be tentative. I think that Hamilton might sneak out. I think this might be yeah. Falkirk's first defeat of the season. Yeah, I think they might win maybe two one. Right. Wow. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think like with 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 Aki's, is, I've got. I, I don't necessarily trust the clubs. I always think that they've got a uh, mm-hmm. they've yeah. got some sort of boob within them. But I, yeah. I trust uh, I trust Falkirk slightly more than I trust Hamilton. Not hundred percent trust, but I trust them. I trust them more than uh, than, than than Hamilton. And, and listen, that, that makes a lot of sense. However, I just think that with home advantage and, and Hamilton maybe having to go for it to a degree or, or maybe having to take the handbrake off to a degree because they, although they're still top, Falkirk have a game in hand and they're level on points. I, I, I still have a sneaky suspicion that Hamilton will win it. Uh, what letter of the alphabet does Falkirk begin with? F. And what comes before E? Oh, I fucked it. I fucked it. Just forget it. <laughs> I was trying to do, I was trying to do uh, a link there. I thought you would say, what letter comes before F? E, yes. That's the name of the, the that's what the, the, these two teams both begin with in League Two. Fuck, I've absolutely ruined it. Completely ruined it. Completely ruined it. That's that was really good. That's a really good link. That that really was really good. Like I, I hope I hope we get a live show soon. Oh my goodness! Just what? Just just me and you misreading things at each other, calling the names, <laughs> call, calling us names, and you know what happens? That's when we get the biggest pop of the night. We refer to ourselves as some sort of like these vile prisoners and get a laugh, and then and everyone goes home happy. What do you think? What do you think? I tell from Sean Show. We'll, we'll tell for mispronounced stuff. But that intro at the start, by the way, hilarious. Absolutely hilarious.
We're going into League 2. We're talking about East Fife and Elgin City. They played each other at Bayview. East Fife pumped them 4-0. Brogan Walls got two. Nathan Austin got one. Scott Shepard added one to make it four. Certainly not the way that Alan Hill, brackets left, would have wanted to kick off his career with Elgin City. <laughs> Thank you. East Fife are in sixth place amongst that throng of teams in mid-table. Elgin still ninth place. But because of Clyde's draw with Stranraer, that gap between the sides is now just four points. Sean, thoughts on East 5-4, Elgin City 0. My thoughts are that, again, this is a game where absolutely disastrous defending was on show for at least two of Elgin's goals, maybe, uh. maybe more. But they were... I mean, I mean, if Alan Hale wasn't aware of the, the size of the task... Hey, give, him, him, give, him his, give him his proper name. What is his name? Alan Hale, brackets left. That's his, oh, that's his proper name. I, 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 I thought it was going to be Mick Hale. I, was like, I think that's a goalkeeper. <laughs> yes, if Alan Hale, brackets left, doesn't know the, the size of the task facing him, then he, he knows now. Because bear in mind, like, East Fife have been pretty poor. And mm. although on the day, they looked pretty decent. They looked yeah. like the team that I expected them to be this season. I still don't know if that's because they were good or just that Elgin were bad. And my goodness, Elgin, Elgin looked really bad. <laughs> the only well, if you want to, to know what sums up Elgin City's performance this match, like watch the watch about the first like minute of the highlights. The bit with these five TV commentator, uh, I think Dan Harvey gets the ball. Harvey, he's got a bit of time here, and toe pokes the ball out for a goal kick. Well, I'm not entirely sure what he was trying there. <laughs> that pretty much sums up the sums up the game. Yeah, I think that. East Fife's big problem is that it's all very old. Their results against the sides beneath them recently have been really impressive. They've beaten Stranraer 4-0, beaten Clyde 4-0, beaten Elgin City 4-0, but they've they've lost to they've lost to Dumbarton, they've lost to Senesmuir, they've lost to Peterhead. And I think that's why they're going to be in mid-table, because they 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 they're not good enough to to properly get at the sides above them. Teams that are organized, you know, who'd have thought it? Teams that are organized, teams that are a wee bit physical, whereas teams that are just like all the goals here, maybe other than Walls' second goal, I thought all the goals here were, were really, really poor. Elgin offered very little. Alan Fleming had, I think he juggled that one, kind of mishandled one ball into his box. But that, that was it. I mean, that was a mild moment of peril. Elgin offered nothing in this game and it allowed these five, that based on certainly their attacking highlights, looked really, really good. I thought Shepard, uh, I was going to call him Tony Shinavoni. Ryan Schiavone, Tony Schiavone is the former WCW commentator. <laughs> Ryan Schiavone, uh, Austin, you know, he's in a bit of a hot streak at the moment. Brogan Walls obviously played very well. They all impressed during this match, but it was all pretty easy for them. Yeah, I mean, I would say three of the four goals, so like the first goal was like a, a, a kind of long ball, ball forward. That, yeah, and you would think, well, maybe, like maybe Tom McHale, the, the Elgin goalkeeper, would deal with that. He kind of, Made a bit of stromash yet, didn't connect to it. Uh, he kind of put Shepard off, I suppose. Shepard did really um, well. Shepard, really good balance here to pop, pop the ball off to Walls. Yes. But then Walls had a really good finish to, to, I mean, it was, yes, it was an empty net, but he still had a wee bit to do. It's like, I was thinking, you don't see, I think there's something quite exciting about seeing Route 1 goals. You don't see a lot of them these days. So when you see like a big ball pumped up to a big striker who flicks on and someone's running off his shoulder, Really, really good goals. Really enjoyable goals, just because you don't you don't see them as often. What about terrible defending from corners? Do you enjoy that? Fucking because hell. the second goal would have delighted you if see, you did. See this one short. I counted so as the ball is put in to the near post. Four Elgin players all go for the same ball. 
they'll run they'll run to the goal line it's all very weird because bear in mind you have so so Nathan Austin so, so he gets the, the, the kind of final finish the commentator says this, this is his 12th goal for his five oh, against uh, Elgin but when the corner's taken he is pretty much surrounded by Elgin players as soon as the corner's taken they, they all, all run away from it's like they're all attracted to the goal line so suddenly he is eight yards out and bags of, and I mean bags of space and yes his finish is, is fair enough but you have so much time to do it, he wants to do it. And then I suppose the is that the fourth goal that, that kind of sums Elgin up? My goodness. It's 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 horrendous. I mean, it's like Tom McHale passes the ball to Ross Draper. And Ross Draper's got players around him that are that are trying to be a hangles for him. But instead he he ignores the players in front of him and he tries to like almost like sweep the ball with outside of his foot back to McHale. Do, do you know like he tries to drag his foot? And just completely fluffs it. it. It just completely fluffs it. Not enough power. And there's Scott Shepard. Great anticipation from Shepard to get in and nip round the mount score. But just really bad. That's your most senior. That's your most senior. But that's the guy who used to manage the team that's doing that. And there's a funny bit. I don't know if you noticed it. He sort of turns to Owen Cairns, who's sort of playing on the left. And he turns to like point at him as if to have a go. And he just gives up. Like gives up midpoint. He turns to point. Gives up. I, I mean, I, I didn't see a lot from Elgin. See based on see based on this performance and the fact that they now, to be fair, I I don't know a lot about Alan Hale pictured left. He he could be great. He could be. I, I mean, he could have a lot about him. He could have a lot of contacts. He could be able to bring some of the better players from the Highland League to to Elgin. I I don't really know. But based on this, and based on Ian McCall being appointed as the the Clyde manager, Clyde have a difficult. Fixture list coming up before uh, the January transfer window opens. I still kind of think that Clyde have a better chance of getting out of this based on A, their form and B, who they've appointed as managers. I I think so. I think so. Watching this, I'm actually surprised. I've I've, I've mentioned it before. Clyde, the, the their second half performance against Stennis was really, really good. You know, they actually mm-hmm. could have won that match at the end. And, and having seen Clyde in the flesh and then subsequently watching Elgin's highlights, I'm astonished that they came into this game with a five-point gap between them. Yep. Truly am, because they, 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 excuse me, they, they, they were terrible in this. And it's, they, they've got a really, really tough run of fixtures between now and the end of the year. They're playing the Spartans on Saturday, then Stenhouse Muir, and then Peterhead. There's three of the teams that are in the top four. I, I, I would be surprised if they're able to get any points between now and, yep. the, and the end of the season. And, and I suppose Hale Pitchard left. He's only had a couple of training sessions with Elgin, so perhaps he's still getting to learn the the team and the squad and, and what he has to to work with. But but regardless, unless listen I, again, I don't know a lot about him, but I, I still I still fancy Elgin for tenth based on the appointment and uh, Saturday. Because bear in mind as well, yes, I, I fancy these five to be at, at the top end of the table. He's actually been really struggling. Mm. I actually thought to myself that that. If they got a, a a new manager bounce, as much as a cliche and and a potentially a, a kind of misnomer, I still feel that Elgin might have got something from this game. Right. And presumably, as a new manager, he would have maybe identified as it getting something from the game. But my goodness, are miles away for for getting anything from it. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, East Fife are. Uh, I think that I think. I'm not going to speak for supporters, but having read the stuff on Pine Borrell, seen the stuff on social media, I'm not sure if fans are, are kind of have lost losing faith in, in Greg McDonald. This season yeah. hasn't really gone as, as they expected. 
Austin, yes, he's hit a bit of a hot streak. I think more was expected from him early in the season. You're kind of looking for, for Jack Healy, Brogan Walls to replies, reprise their performances last season. Walls obviously played very well here. Healy being quite quiet. You've not really heard or read uh, much about him. And going back to the point you made earlier, I think they are going to finish in mid-table now because you can beat the teams beneath you. That's class. But I just don't see them having enough to to trouble the, the, the sides that, that are just better organised and, and just physically stronger than them. I agree, but to be fair, I don't know if they will finish below any teams that actually now that we look at the, the kind of strengths and, and weaknesses of each squad, East Fife might finish where they should do. I think they'll finish like, so let, let, fifth or sixth. Let, let's say they finish fifth or sixth, for example, then I would imagine the five teams that finish above them, you would say, actually, fair enough. Aye. So as much as, as East Fife fans might be disappointed at that, and to be fair, we spoke at the start of the season about how we fancied them to, to be at, in, in the top four. Actually, now, with the benefit of hindsight, I, I'm, I'm not so sure. So, is Greg McDonald doing a poor job based on that? It, it, difficult to say. He's five hundred are, are far better positioned than me to, to talk about that, I suppose. I suppose that if you lose to, like, it's sort of things like, like you lose to Dunbar United, for instance, in the Scottish Cup. Of that's, course. That's going, that's going to kick against mm-hmm. you. And not to, not to, I tried to avoid talking about Stennis Muir in this one, but Stennis Muir lost in that round as well. Stennis Muir lost six games. Stennis Muir have won six games in a row. So that defeat to Brora, nobody cares about it anymore. That is so far in the rearview mirror. Now Stennis are looking to to try and win the win the division. Whereas East Fife, because that they are, I think they lost in consecutive weeks to Peterhead and to Dumbarton. Not great results, but that that lost against in, in the Scottish Cup that's still hanging over you no no, totally but I, I, I suppose what I would say is even if they brought in the best possible manager they could and listen I'm not I'm, I'm not I'm no uh, trying advocating for McDonald saving his job I'm not entirely sure he's in the, the realm of having to lose it because based on the squad they have I, I now don't know if they do have a kind of top four squad. Whereas at the start of the season, I thought maybe they did. I'm, I'm not so sure anymore. They, they could bring somebody else in. I'm, I'm sure they could, they could bring somebody else in that could incrementally make them better. But but whether that's worth it, I, I don't know. Imagine they brought in Robin Veldman. That'd be weird. <laughs> they finished 10th. <laughs> Robin Veldman continuing his good work and. And as I say in Scotland, just in management in, in, in general, listen, some, sometimes you just know cut first of Ross Draper had the good grace to realise this. <laughs> just say, lads, I'm, this isn't working for me. I'm I'm I can't give you I can't give you it anymore. But I suppose that's a that's a decent time to, to wrap things up. That's 17 minutes of conversation. That's um that, that's that's decent. Yeah, that, that almost feels uh, short and sweet for us. Yeah, sorry, but no, no, that, that's good. Keep it always leave them wanting more. I think that's mm-hmm. uh that, that's a that's a good mantra. Yeah, I was going to make a joke about lovemaking there, but you need to make love first before you can actually crack jokes about it. So we will leave it at that. Sean and I are going off to record a bonus podcast. We are going to be looking at a couple of teams around the lower leagues and talking about one one position they need to strengthen in the January transfer window. If you what was their positions? Because I'll be honest, I, I don't have any serious ones and it's just uh, kind of piss-taking ones. All right, brilliant. Well, uh, tune in to where Sean and I are recording two very different podcasts at the same time. <laughs> it might be fun, but it probably won't. But nevertheless, spend £2 if you want to hear that. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in. I always enjoy talking to talking to Sean about football. And if you're going to a game this weekend, please enjoy yourself, but you have to do so respectfully.
Can't really ask any more than that. Enjoy your football. Do so respectfully. Thank you. Take care. Good night. Sports Social Podcast Network.